0: Welcome to the well here at STSA. My name is Father Anthony, and it's great to see so many people here today. We are in our second week of a series called Handcrafted, which, as Joe mentioned earlier today, today we're going to be digging into one of the components of how we were handcrafted by God. But before we kind of get into the details, let's take a step back and figure out what we missed uh, last week. And I see there's some people, if y'all are looking for seats, there are some seats up here, okay, in first class are available right here. I see some people standing in the back. (laughs) Certainly welcome to stand if you'd like, but there's plenty over here. This is your chance to be in first class instead of economy. That's how I always look at it. Sit in the front row in church. All right, you don't get to sit there on the plane. Here's our theme. Here's kind of our key point, okay, for this series. What we're trying to talk about, trying to understand is that to fully know God, I must first know myself. To fully know God, I must first know myself. And the reason why we must know ourselves in order to know God is because God is not like a CEO of a company god is not like a factory boss okay where everyone is just kind of on the assembly line he treats everyone the same and you know what's your quotient like what's your quota did you meet your quota for today and what's your output that's not god god is father and because god is father god has a unique relationship with every single of his creatures including us all of his children his sons and daughters with every piece of creation and if we don't understand our uniqueness We will be tempted to think that our God is unfair or unjust because what we need to realize is that the uniqueness of the relationship is not based on differences in God, but differences in us. We talked about this last week. If I have two children and one of them I make wear braces and the other one I don't make wear braces. And if they don't understand that they are uniquely designed, they'll be tempted to think God loves one more than the other because he made me wear braces. No, but the difference in my behavior with them The difference is based on differences in me or differences in them. Same thing. If I say you can have ice cream, you can't have ice cream. Oh, dad is treating her differently or dad is treating him differently. Those differences are not based on my differences, on me being different, but it's based on the fact that each one is a unique creation and therefore has different needs and has different giftings. Okay, we talked last week about the parable of the talents, about how God gave a story about how one guy was gifted with 10, one with, or sorry, one with five talents, one with two talents, one with one talent. And God expected different things from each one of them based on how they were gifted. And we need to understand the same thing for us. The goal is to understand our uniqueness in order to understand God more fully and our dealings with him. Last week, for those who were here, we talked about exactly how unique we are. And we saw that on this earth, there are 60,000 species of trees alone. We saw there are 8.7 million types of animals out there that have been identified. And we saw that there are close to 8 billion people. And of all of those, each one of them was knit by the hand of God. No assembly line, no Mr. Potato Head, like give me an ear, give me a nose, like no, 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 no. Each part of me was uniquely handcrafted. By the almighty God, the same one who hung the sun in the sky, who put the stars over there, who built the mountains and the rivers, is the same one who knit me together, okay, in my mother's womb. And once I know, last week we talked about how we're all masterpieces. Once I know that this was designed by God, it puts me in a different category. That's why last week, like I said, we said how we're all masterpieces. We're not masterpieces because we're great and we're, not, and we're, we're perfect. We're masterpieces because the signature at the bottom of me is God, the Almighty. So therefore, if I bring a junk piece of painting up here and I say, this is junk, and then it's signed at the bottom, Picasso. It's not junk anymore because it's signed Picasso. And once Picasso's name on that bad boy, that sucker has a lot of value. And once God's name is on me, then all of a sudden this has eternal, infinite value. Not because of me, but because of the one who created me and designed me, and that is God. God designing me by his hand doesn't mean I will be perfect or without blemish. In fact, what we saw last week is the fact that I am handcrafted, how you know something is crafted by hand, not robot, is the fact that it does have imperfections, is the fact that there might be a little knicker, a little whatever right here. That's what actually a sign and a validation that it was designed by hand, not factory. It also doesn't mean I'll never get dirty. And we talked about last week how if I have the Mona Lisa and that is a masterpiece, and then some kid wipes a booger on the Mona Lisa right under the nose. That doesn't ruin the Mona Lisa because there's a difference between the identity of the painting and the appearance of the painting. And we too are masterpieces by nature. Even if our appearance betrays us, our nature stays the same. And we looked at this verse last week, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. We're his masterpiece. We're the best of the best that he's got. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are a masterpiece. You are created by God. You were in the mind of God before you ever set foot on this earth and God knit you together piece by piece. And what we're gonna look at here today is one of those pieces, just one. And we talked about last week how there are many, many parts of Make Up Me. We are an intricate unity as according to Job 10.8, but we're gonna talk about one of those parts And that one part that we're going to look at and see how God created us is our personality. And what we're going to use is a tool called Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, MBTI. And you should have, hopefully, you have a little sticker on you right there that that talks about what letters, okay, you you came up with last week. For those who weren't here, we talked about, uh, I gave you all a link to take a 10-minute test to help you figure out what your Myers-Briggs type is. I know a lot of people may have come in already knowing that. Don't worry, if you didn't do this, the, the test, we're gonna have time for a self-assessment. But in order to do that properly, before I get into it, everyone needs, I know we don't always have a handout with us, but everyone needs to have a handout today because we're gonna do some exercises. I'm gonna make you write some stuff down and it's gonna help you figure some stuff out. So if you don't have a handout, we got some ushers coming up and down the aisles right now and just kind of wave at them, motion to them, throw something at them, whatever it may be. Get their attention, they'll give you one. Everyone needs a handout and a pen. We're gonna play some games. We're gonna have some fun with this thing. And I'm gonna give you a chance to assess your own Myers Briggs personality type. Okay, so you took the test, all right, and the test gave you some letters, but you'll have a chance to confirm it after we do the self assessment. And for those who didn't get a chance to, you'll get a chance to self assess from the start. All right, everyone make sure you got a handout and a pen, all right, so that we make the most of this. All right, what is Myers Briggs? Myers Briggs is a system of, of learning about our personality type that was developed by a Swiss psycho- psychiatrist named Carl Jung, more than 100 years ago. And Carl Jung had a, raise your hand if you need a pen, just real quick, we'll get it done out real quick. Raise your hand if you need a pen or a handout, all right? Just, there we go, we'll get those done real quick. Raise your, keep, keep them up, keep them up, and they're coming around. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, all right? Just take and pass, take and pass. Just hand out a stack, and they'll pass them around to each other, okay? Just give them the whole stack, and they'll go quickly, all right? There you go, all right? Yeah, just grab a stack and just, each one pass, All right?
1: There we go. There
0: we go. All right, pretty good. And just up here on on the right side here. All right, Carl Jung. Carl Jung had a theory in life. Okay, Carl Jung believed, like I just said, that we all, 7 billion, 8 billion people on this planet, which eat was each designed uniquely by God and created hand-knit by God. That's what he believed. But he also believed that even though we are all unique in our design, our behavior is a lot more predictable than we might realize. And our behavior isn't always as random as we think, and that if we understand where we stand on four scales, then we can predict—predict, predict, not not guarantee—but we can predict how we will behave in certain situations. And those four scales, as you see up on the screen, are extroversion versus introversion. Okay, that's the ear, the eye, at the beginning, and basically what that is is about where you get energy from. Okay, we'll talk. We'll, I'll give you an overview now and we'll talk about each one individually. So that's kind of where your energy source from people or from by yourself. Second is sensing and intuition. And that's all about how you take in information and the information you like. Do you like five senses information, tangible, or do you go with your sixth sense, your gut? The third scale is thinking and feeling. That's how you make decisions with your head first or with your heart first. And the last one, the judging or the perceiving is all about how you feel about structure in life. Right, do you like in structured, organized life or you like to kind of go with the flow? Based on your answers to the questions on the test, which you should have taken by now, you will end up with a four-letter combination of letters. And each of those four letters or each of those 16 options will describe your personality. Now, we're gonna talk about it, like I said, in, in a second right here. Most important thing that everybody says when it comes to personality types is there is no hierarchy or better or worse, That's what everybody says. But I will just point out one small little fact. That I am an ISTJ, and if you look up at an ISTJ, if you were to write the number one somewhere on the screen, okay, (laughs) you would most likely start at the top left. It just happens to be mine. So you can read into that whatever it is that you want, okay, but no, no, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. But you will see that one one of the characteristics of an ISTJ is you do believe that yours is the best type and come talk to me afterwards, and I'll tell you why it is, how you justify it. But anyway. So does this mean that there's only 16 type of people in the whole world, that there's 7 billion people on the planet, and they can all be put into one of 16 buckets? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that every person who's ISTJ is exactly the same. In fact, there's no way because I already told you a minute ago that personality is one of the factors that makes up who we are. But there's so many other factors. There's your natural gifts and abilities. There's your likes and dislikes. There's your environment. There's how you were raised. Like there's so many factors. The experiences you've gone through, the painful, the non-painful, all those factors combine to make us who we are. So we're not gonna limit it and say that every person is one of these 16 and that everyone in that 16 is exactly the same. Absolutely not. Some people, oh, the other thing is, is there's degrees. So I'm an I, I'm an introvert. Some people may be a high I. Some people may be a slight I. Some people may be somewhere in the middle. There's variations on all the different scales. Some people don't like Myers-Briggs, okay? And they say, oh, you know, uh, I read the thing and you know, one of the things that it said about me isn't true. The whole point of Myers-Briggs is not to tell you, to give you an exact description of who you are. And anyone who wants that, that's ridiculous and that's silly, okay? And that's nonsensical. What Myers-Briggs is there to do is to help you see your natural preferences. That's it, your natural preferences. What things by nature you prefer to do and what things by nature you prefer not to do. It doesn't mean you can't go against it, but it just means by your nature, that's how you are. And I'll give you an example. First car I ever had in life, or first car I bought in life, was a 2000 Mitsubishi Galant. Okay, got it in the year. No, yeah, in 2000, I got it in 2001, a 2000 Mitsubishi Galant, And from the day that I had that car, okay, it was a year used, and from the day that I had that car, it always pulled to the left. Always pulled to the left, okay? So you, you, you like this, and you're on the highway, and you flinch, and it always pulls to the left. No matter what, pulls to the left. Got the things aligned, still pull to the left. New tires, thing to the left. Recall, whatever, to the left, to the left, to the left, to the left. So with time, I just got used to it, and I just adjusted. So if I wanted to, like, you know, grab a bite or do something on the radio, I would just give her a tug to the right, okay? And I know I have, like, four seconds, okay, as she, and I just got used to it. That's how how the car works. The fact that the car pulls to the left, does that mean I can never go right? Does that mean it's impossible for me to switch into the right lane like I can only go left and once I get there, I'm stuck? No, it just means that it takes effort. It just means it takes some work. That by its nature, the car likes to go to the left, but it is nothing saying that I can't go to the right if I exert some effort. Same with the personality type. I told you I'm ISTJ, so I'm an introvert. And that just means simply that if you give me the choice, 99 out of 100 times, if you give me the choice, between on a Friday night, stay in, relax, watch a movie, hang out, or go out for a night on the town. 99.9% of the times, I'm going to choose stay in. That doesn't mean that I'm unable in- in- to go out and that I'm incapable and that I'm like, I can't function out in-, in the light, okay? I'm not a monster, but it just means that my preference, if you give me the choice, that's how I'm gonna lean. I pull to the left, okay? I told you I'm a J as well. J means like structure and likes plans. That most likely, if you give me a year-long project, if you tell me something is due in a year, most likely, not that I'm unable to do otherwise, but most likely, I'm gonna come up with a plan. So you can predict, oh, Father Anthony has this three-year goal in mind. So I bet you he has a plan in mind because that's just my nature. I naturally pull towards structure and towards planning. It doesn't mean I'm unable to do the opposite. The letters don't define me. They just predict how I will behave in certain situations. And I believe from my experience, they are a very, very accurate predictor of your natural preferences, more than all the other tests, okay? I've seen all the other newfangled ones and there's different options, and I'm not saying anything about those. But the one to me that helps describe a person the most accurately is the Myers-Briggs. I'll give you another way example. Y'all got a pen and paper in your hand, right? Hold out your paper and hold out your pen. And I want you to find a blank space on that paper. And I want you to sign your name and write the date, go. Sign your name and write the date. You should not be looking at your neighbor's paper. I don't know what you're hoping to. Okay. But if you need to, you can, okay? No cheating. Okay. Everybody done? Everybody done? Okay, quick question. Just and humor me here. I'm asking stupid questions, but just humor me. Which hand did you use to write the 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 the, the your signature? Okay? If you're right hand, which hand, if you're right-handed, which hand did you use? Any right-handers use the left hand? Did any left-handers use the right hand? Okay, let me just ask you a dumb question No, humor me. How did you choose which hand to use? How did you choose? Did anyone go like, (laughs) did anyone like think and pray and fast about it? How'd you decide? How'd you decide? It's what's natural. It's natural. Now, I want you to take the same pen, put it in the other hand and sign and, and date. Oh, Jesus. Actually, you know what? That perfectly captured my point. Whoever gave the, oh, geez, okay? Perfectly captured my point. Do it, and then I'll I'll make my point. The ug in the room made my point for me, which is this. Are you capable, if you're right-handed, are you capable of writing with your left hand? Is it humanly possible for you to write with your left hand? Yes, but the difference is it's hard It's not natural, it takes effort. You are able to write with your left hand. It's not that it's impossible for you, but it's not what you're naturally going to do. So I can predict by knowing your preferences, I can predict how you're gonna behave in certain situations. Same thing with the Myers-Briggs. Can you imagine if you're right-handed, okay? And it's obviously the left to the right, same thing. If your job in life was to sign things with your left hand, how would you feel if that was your job? Like if you worked at a company, you're right-handed, or let's say the opposite, let's say, because maybe that's the case. Let's say, you worked in a, let's say you're left-handed and you worked in a company where you were forced to always write with your right hand. Could you do it? Could you do it? Yes. Would you ever enjoy doing it? Would it be something that you say, like I'll, I'll would, you, would you ever feel, come home feeling frustrated potentially? And would you come home feeling like I'm not good enough like everybody else? Yes, not because you're not good enough, because you are in a situation where you're not working outside your preferences. Last week I talked about how you're a masterpiece, but can you see that if you worked in a job that you're left-handed and they made you right with your right hand, can you see how you would come home feeling like you're not a masterpiece? How you're not perfect? How you, were, how you were flawed and how you were, something's wrong with you. You don't match up to everybody else. Can you see that? But there is no flaw in you. All there is is a different preference. And that's why I'm saying the more we understand ourselves, the more we understand God and his plan and his purpose for our lives. Make sense? All right. So right, let's jump in. We're gonna go through each of these four scales. All right, and I'm gonna give you a chance to self-assess. I'm gonna give you a description of each one, give you some examples. then I'll ask you to assess yourself. The first one, talks about your source for energy, and that's either E or I, extroversion or introversion. A Lot of misunderstandings on this one, okay? This has nothing to do with whether you're socially awkward or not. You can be a socially awkward extrovert, or you can be a fun-loving, center of the party, life of the party introvert, has nothing to do with that. Has nothing to do whether you are likable or not. It has nothing to do with whether you are rude or mean. If you are rude or mean, that's not being an introvert, that's your rude or mean. Okay, you cannot use being an introvert as an excuse to be a jerk. It is also not a measure of spirituality. And some people think there's this idea that the spiritual people are the introverted ones. And if you were really spiritual, you don't need people and social. And that's all for the people who are not spiritual. But if you were spiritual, you could just spend hours and hours and hours by yourself and you don't need people. That's nonsense. It has nothing to do with that spirituality whatsoever. Introversion and extroversion. Here's a picture that I think says it pretty plainly. An extrovert looks outside, an introvert looks inside. When an extrovert is in need of energy, is in need to power up, he naturally, not that he's unable the other way, but he naturally looks outside. He's energized by people, by activities, by events. That's how he finds energy. When he finds himself drained, he goes outside. The introvert is the exact opposite. The introvert, the more time that he's out, when he wants to power up, he needs to be inside. And that's what I'm saying right here, you see me, I'm an ISTJ, I'm an introvert, and I'm actually a pretty high introvert. And that doesn't mean that people are like, no, you talk so well in front of people, it has nothing to do with this. What it means is, is when this is done, I need to go and power up in my house, and lock the door, and close all the windows. Because that's how I find my source of energy. Some differences between the two. Like I said, E's are energized by people activities. Eyes are energized by solitude and thoughts. Eyes can have an entire conversation in their head and think it was real. E's like to meet new people. E's see a new person and see simply a friend I haven't met yet. Eyes prefer smaller groups, small numbers, and prefer to go deeper as opposed to broader. This is a big one here. Ease think to speak, no, I'm sorry. Ease speak to think, eyes think to speak. So what that means is, you ease, you extroverts, y'all, you don't get this. An eye, okay, an eye has to stop talking to think. An E cannot think while they are not talking. That's why an E, even if everybody walks out the room, they're talking in the furniture, okay? because that's how they think. They say, if you don't know what an I is thinking, you haven't asked. If you don't know what an E is thinking, you're not listening. Obviously what I'm gonna do here today is I'm gonna paint the extremes, okay? And that way we have some fun with this thing and realize, like I said, none is better or worse than the other, me and my wife are opposites in every single one of them pretty much. So I'm painting the extremes, you're gonna fall somewhere along the scale. But you can see, just like I said briefly, that you can see how an E would view an I as aloof, distant, withdrawn all the time, a miserable person. And eyes, you can see, or I'm sorry, E's, you can see how an I would look at you as superficial, okay, and shallow, and never goes deep or never never thinks deeply about things. It's simply a matter of preference. As I said, me, I'm a high I, I recharge internally. Let me give you some examples. Up until probably about six months ago, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you an example of something that up until six months ago, I didn't think it was weird, but my wife explained to me that this is very strange what I'm about to explain, which was when I was in college, okay, you had, we had the meal plans. We lived in the dorm, we had the meal plan. I thought nothing of eating alone every single meal. I thought nothing of it, that's what I would do. So much so to the point that me and my roommate would be sitting in the room, okay, and he'd be listening to music or we'd be doing whatever, and I would just, all of a sudden I'd get hungry, I would get up, I would walk out, I would go to the dining hall, I would eat my meal and I would come back. He would say, where were you? i say, I just went and had dinner. <laughs> yeah, the eyes are like, yeah, why not? What better way to have dinner than all by yourself? But apparently this was very uncommon because what everybody else would do is say, hey, I'm going to dinner and people will go have dinner together. This was uncommon to me. I had pretty much every meal by myself, not because I was was sad or depressed, I was quite happy. I just figured it was the most efficient way to do it. When I'm hungry, I eat. Like I just felt like, all the eyes are like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I'm an I, I don't, listen carefully, okay? In marriage, this is very important, okay? We give some help here to the married or the future married or whatever married, watch here. I don't talk through problems. I think through problems, and this can cause some conflict when the person who lives next to you likes to talk through problems. So for example, hypothetically, for example, let's say my wife would come home one day and say, I say, how was work? Oh, and this and this happened and this and this happened and my boss says I need to you know, go on this trip. Okay, fine. And you know, the reason I need to go on the train is because of this and this happened and then so and this and 100%, I'm not right. okay, fine. And it's especially important right now because and I'm thinking to myself, why are you trying to convince me of something I already agreed to? <laughs> but she is not trying to convince me. That's how she thinks. Introverts, listen, that's how extroverts think out loud. That's how they process information. It doesn't mean that they're, that they're anything, okay? I don't even say, that. it doesn't mean that they're anything. It just means simply that they're extroverted and that's how God made them. There's a couple that I know who's been married for 51 years, 51 years, that's a long time, 51 years. And they have the same dynamic where she's high extrovert and he's high introvert. So this is a system they came up with and they both agree this is a good system for them. So I would love to implement this at home but I'm kind of walking on eggshells here so we'll see how it goes by the reaction. <laughs> She talks, 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 and he's learned to keep his mouth shut, and then he asks a question, or he just says this, tell me when you've gotten to the point. <laughs> and it works for them. It works for them. Not looking like it's gonna work for my wife. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> here's a list, okay, here's the list. Extroverts are externally directed versus introverts internally. One is gregarious, one is, re- As you're going through these, if you want, circle the ones that you feel fit you, like you're gonna assess yourself, okay? Gregarious, expressive, speak to think, brain dumpers. Introverts are the opposite. They are internally directed, reflective, reserved. They think to speak. They prefer depth over numbers. Circle the ones that you feel describe you. And then on your handout, you'll have a little scale like this. And I would encourage you, give yourself a preference. Afterwards, If you haven't already taken the test, you can go take the test, it's free online. All right, take you 10 minutes and then you can match it up to see where you fit. And you're not allowed to choose the middle. You have to choose one of the sides. There's no like neutral. Either you're on the E side or the I side, you put yourself wherever you want on the scale, but there's no middle. Earlier I said, spiritually. How might this apply spiritually? Who wants to take a guess? We don't obviously know, but who might be an extrovert in the scriptures? Who might be an E? Anyone guess? Peter, okay, that's what I was thinking of as well. Because actually this morning when we read the gospel, Peter saw there was a transfiguration. There's Moses, there's Elijah, there's Jesus. And Peter said, hey, it is good for us to be here. Let's stay here. You know what I mean? Like, let's bring some food in. Like, let's build a tent right here. Like, we're all hanging out. Let's invite more people. Like, this is good for us to be here. The other one I was thinking of is Matthew. All right, because as soon as Jesus came to him and said, follow me, he threw a party. Invite all his friends over to tell them. Who might be an introvert? Okay, we're not gonna go with Jesus on any of them, but it must've been an, intro, an introvert who said Jesus was the introvert. Okay, Jesus all of them, okay? But Jesus probably, if you wanna know, was probably, St. Uh-huh. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Paul, maybe, okay? The one I was thinking is St. Mary, okay? But not because she's great, but give me like evidence. What evidence do we have? When she said, when all that stuff happened to her in the angel, it said that she pondered all these things in her heart. Okay, she didn't talk about it, she kept them all in her heart and she kept thinking it over and pondering it. That's a classic sign of an I, that something happens and they don't go shout it out on the social media. They wanna take some time to digest it and reflect, okay? Again, we're just guessing, so we don't really know. That's E or I. Next we'll go S or N. And S is for sensing, N is for intuition. I know it begins with I, but that's the way they do it. Okay, the second N is where the N comes from. And this is all about data and information. How do we take it in and the information that we rely on? S's like details. N's like big picture. S's prefer tangible, concrete. They prefer five senses. N's prefer the sixth sense, their gut feel about a topic. Give you some pictures here. Here's how an S processes information sequentially from one to two to three. An N doesn't go one to two to three. An N takes a step back, surveys the whole scene and then makes an assessment. If an S was gonna tell a story and recap their day, they would do it this way. This happened at eight o'clock and then this person came at 8.15 and then such and such happened at 8.30. That's how an S would tell a story. An N would jump around. An N would say, this happened in the morning. And then later on, I learned this and that. And then when I was saying this, I actually noticed that her facial expression was this and then my butt. and they would jump around and they would hit the key points, but not necessarily in chronological order. An S is the kind of person in the grocery store. Of course, I'm making this stuff up, but I'm saying likely. An S is the kind of person who likes to go aisle by aisle, okay, and scans and looks at every one of the different cottage cheeses to choose the proper one. An N walks in and thinks I need to go there and I need to go there, and I need to go there. Okay, they see the big picture. S's tend to go more sequentially. Some of the characteristics right here. S's, key word there is details. All right, S's like details, they like practical. They focus on the present, what is. N's like possibilities, they like patterns, they like relationships, they like what could be. An S, and I'm an S by the way in this one, very much, and S prefers actionable steps. Like for example, I gotta clean my office. And N prefers big picture. I don't have time to clean the office because I'm thinking what career I should have. You see the difference? Thing is, as I said, I'm a pretty high S. I'm a detailed guy. And they laugh at me because every Sunday morning, okay, we come into this church, come into this room and the chairs are set up but they're not set up the way I would set them up. So then I go through, and yes, I adjust every single chair. That's right. Every one of your chairs has been adjusted by me every Sunday morning. And they're like, you shouldn't do that and tell us. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll tell you. But the thing is, number one, as an ISTJ, no one will do it as good as me. Number two, how can anybody worship God when the chairs are not perfectly <laughs> That's a classic S. The picture is just a little, you know, that's a classic S. Um, S's love details. S's you love as editors, editors. S's make great editors. N's make very bad editors, but N's make much better storytellers, okay? N's tend to be more creative kind of people. And S will look at it and say, like I said, that chair isn't, is, isn't straight. And N would look at it and say, you have all the wrong chairs in this room. You need new chairs. See the difference? Ns would look at Ss as boring, predictable, no fun. Ss look at Ns as impractical dreamers and live in the land of unicorns. (laughs) I'll give you another test right here, N or S. I'm gonna show you a picture up on the screen. You see the picture? What'd you see in the picture? Ready? What'd you see in the picture? If you're an N, you saw a forest, a beautiful scene straight out of a movie, a dark night, the clouds hushing and the silence of the whatever. If you're an S, you saw a white sign in the middle with an arrow pointing there. <laughs> it's all about how you take in data. We're gonna watch a little movie clip right now. We're going to watch a short little two-minute clip that's from a movie called Patch Adams. One guy is an N, one guy is an S. Pretty extreme right here. See if you can figure out who's the N, who's the S, and what makes them as such.
1: May I come in? If you bend your medial collateral ligaments, place one talus in front of another, I don't see where you'd have a problem. <laughs> of course, if there were a news story covering this event, the headline might read, Small Brain Enters Room. Fingers. What's the answer? Oh, you're another one of those bright young fellows who always know the right answer, that, huh? Welcome to real life. Four fingers out there. Four fingers out there. No, no, no. Look at me. You're focusing on the problem. You focus on the problem, you can't see the solution. Never focus on the problem. Look at me. How many do you see? No. Look beyond the fingers. How many do you see? Hate. Hate! Hate! Yes, yes! Hate's a good answer. Yes. See what no one else sees. See what everyone else chooses not to see. Out of fear, of conformity, and laziness. See the whole world anew each day. Now The truth is, you're well on the way. You didn't see something here besides a crazy, bitter old man. It wouldn't have come in the first place.
0: Who is the S? Okay, so you see how the old guy was like saving the world and like the theory of relativity on that paper, but he couldn't see that the coffee was leaking on it. That's a classic S move. And then the other way with the four fingers, okay? So if you didn't get the four fingers thing, you're an S. Because I watched that thing four or five times, I still don't get it, okay? (laughs) But the ends get it. The problem, see the big whatever it may be. You see the difference. Details, big picture. Each one, give yourself a score. What's your preference, S or N? Spiritually, you know how this applies? Like, let's say, for example, I bring you a verse where Jesus spoke and said, you know, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man, you have no life in you. You know, when Jesus said that in John chapter six, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But he who abides in me, I abide in, like those verses. And Anne would look at it and see, Christ is talking about the unity between divinity and humanity and about how God dwells in us and Emmanuel and the great mystery hidden before all the ages. What would an S see? Go to church on Sunday. (laughs) Don't go late. Like an S would always break it down to something very small and actionable and likes to look big picture. All right, third scale is T or F, the thinkers or the feelers. This is the only one of all the four scales that has a gender preference, meaning that two thirds of the world's population, two thirds of the world's population, men are thinkers and two thirds of the female population are feelers, okay? Now, that's what all the statistics say. You can go look that up online, it will say that. I'll tell you my personal experience is that isn't the case in church. And maybe that says something about the kind of men who are drawn to church. I don't know necessarily. But what it means, what I believe, I see a lot more closer to 50-50 in the church. But I'll just give you all the information. You figure out what you want. TNF is about how you make decisions. Do you make decisions with your head or with your heart? And here's a picture that illustrates it. If there's a problem, what a thinker does, a T does, and again, preface this by, All thinkers can feel and all feelers can think. I'm not saying if you're a feeler that you you don't know how to think and vice versa. But what a thinker would do is get back up from the problem so that I can assess it properly because I can't assess it when I'm in it. A feeler sees a problem and they run into the problem to jump in with both feet so they can be with the person. All right, one thinks problem first, one thinks person first, all right? You see the list right there. T's, again, Objective, cause and effect. Problem first, person second. Analytical, they like words like justice and truth. Feelers, more subjective. Everything is subjective. Everything, the goal is not justice and truth, but it's harmony, right? The goal is person first, problem second. Circumstantial, they like words like mercy and compassion. Again, who is Jesus? Is Jesus, Jesus is both, all right? And the scripture says about Christ that when he came, he came full of grace and truth. And that's why St. Paul tells us, we, like Christ, should always be speaking the truth in love. Okay, we need both. But again, one of us, like some of us are naturally better at the truth part and we need to work on the love and some of us naturally better at the love need to work on the truth. i tell you a lot of stories about myself and tell you a story about my wife, okay? And I'm clear, I can tell whatever stories I want right here. It's kind of like uh, am- am- amnesty here today. I can say whatever I want because she's, Gave me permission. One time, my wife, I said, I'm ISTJ. Okay, I'm a high, high, high T. God had to balance that with a high F. She had jury duty. And she went to jury duty, and I've always wanted to do jury duty. They won't let me, okay, because once they know I'm a priest, so I like, try to hide it, but like, I, once they find out I'm a priest, they don't let me. I would love to do jury duty. Like, I love a few good men, like guilty, innocent, and I, I would like, you know, sequester, and like, I, I, that's me, I'd start smoking, and I, just for that sake, okay? <laughs> I would love to do jury duty so she comes back and i'm like i want to hear all about like tell me all the details she tells me there was this poor humble little old asian lady and she was being sued by this rich snobby like executive with the slick hair and the lexus and and the suit and i'm like what happened the little lady rammed her car into the rich guy and he's seeking just like, it's, she's 100% at fault. But in my wife's eyes, this poor little lady and this rich snobby. And I'm like, but he's right and she's wrong. That's the difference between a T and an F. A T looks at it and says, right versus wrong. And F looks at it and says, but the person. Like if there's somebody who's going to get taken advantage of in terms of like helping too much, going too much to an extreme, it'll never be a T. It'll always be an F. Because that's how Fs think and tend to overextend themselves. We're gonna watch another little video clip right now. Again, two characters, one is a T, one is an F, you figure out which is which. (laughs)
1: to bed you're
0: not going to kill it are you
1: oh, it's a run i go back to bed
0: no it's not fair can't help being born small careful if i been born small would you have killed me
1: of course not a little girl is one thing a runny pig is another
0: there's no difference this is unfair and unjust how could you be so heartless
1: come here I want to show you something. you see that you see, there's eleven pigs and only ten peeps. Sal can't feed it, honey.
0: Then I will. Will mm-hmm. you, take care of you, when absolutely will not let you kill him. That's a pretty easy one. If you need a tissue right now, <laughs> you're an F. If you were cheering for the pig to get killed, you're a T. <laughs> give, yourself, give yourself a score of where it is you think you fall on the spectrum. <laughs> All right. So we've gone through the I and the E, the S and the N, the T and the F. The last of the scales is the J and the P. And I'll tell you right off the bat, the J and the P, the terms don't really make sense. Judging and perceiving, ignore those terms. They don't don't mean anything, all right? Or they do, I, I don't know. They're not very descriptive, I think. I think they're very ambiguous. This one is all about your lifestyle, about how you view structure and organization and planning. And some people tend to be more structured. Those are the Js. Some people tend to be more flexible. Those are the Ps, all right? Give you a picture right here. This is how a judger moves from from where they are to a deadline. Step by step. And they have a planned approach. The perceiver, the P as you see, tend to be a little bit more flexible. Okay, tend to be a little bit more spontaneous. And they're open to different ways of doing things. Again, is this a J or a P? This is a J. There's your P. (laughs) There's how a P approaches Like I said, a potential deadline. The judger likes plans, structure, decisive, organized control. The perceiver likes options, likes go with the flow, tentative, flexible, and cooperation. Some more examples. If you're going on vacation, the J is the one who packs up the car, gets in the car, and then says, let me go check to make sure that the oven is off goes and makes sure and it wasn't on anyway, comes back in the house and says, how do I know that I got it right? And goes back a second time just to make sure that the oven was off. The P has been in the car for 15 minutes. They got the sunglasses, the radio station, the feed up and the bags are on the porch. <laughs> J's like filing systems. P's like piling systems. J's are life's advice givers and we can answer questions that people aren't even asking. P's are life questions raisers. They love to explore the unknown and ask questions about new subjects. If you're reading a book, a J, you know you're a J if you will finish reading the book even though it is painfully, painfully horrible to you. You are going to finish that book because you started it means you're gonna finish it even if you hate it. P's don't have this problem because peas rarely start a book from page one anyway. <laughs> I'm just joking, it's all in love, it's all in love, okay? Give yourself a score. You know, I thought of one more analogy. I thought of one more analogy, a place, and this is just my own, okay, a place that you can see J's and P's very clearly, the security line at the airport. Okay, to go through security. Because what is a J? A J is prepared well in advance. He knows what's in his left pocket, what's in his right pocket. He has the shoes already halfway off or untied. And he has, and take two containers, put the laptop in the first one, put the backpack in the second one, put the cross, and he's very, very particular. And he has a strategy and his system. How does the P approach security like? Okay, the P, first of all, where's your ticket? Oh, I lost, and they lost their ticket back at the ice cream stand, okay. <laughs> but they've made friends with everybody along the way. If you're a P, just know at that moment, the J's are all judging you. Please know that, okay? Just know that. Accurate or not accurate? Accurate, those who took the test, now that you know what the letters stand for, does it describe you or not describe you? I'm gonna encourage you guys, if you took the test, go online. Even if you haven't, go online, take the test if you haven't. Okay, we sent out the link last week. Go online and play with it, okay? Because there's fun things out there like like, the Bible characters by personality type. And again, they're just guessing, but it's fun to see. Oh, Mother Teresa was a what? Oh, uh, G- uh, uh, St. Paul was a what? Okay? Uh, you know, who am I? May I know Tim? Who am I? I'm St. Luke, okay? My personality type ISTJ is St. Luke, because he was very detail-oriented, whatever it may be. Um, who was your personality type, Marion? Huh? Barnabas, okay? Barnabas was the encourager. Okay, so you see that, like, it's fun stuff. Now, what I found just the other day as I was searching around is the Simpsons characters by, by personality type, which is so much fun. Okay, I won't tell you who I am, but you can go play around with it, okay? Anyway, there's all kinds of fun stuff out there. I wanna go through four quick things, four reminders, just before I wrap up right here, just so we're all on the same page. And I'll go through these quickly. Again, there are no better or worse personality types. All the Js in the room absolutely disagree with this, but we have to accept it, okay? That there is no better or worse but of course, we're thankful for what that we, God made us chase. The goal of life is to be able to operate in all, in all of them. And that goes to our second reminder is that any strength maximized is actually a weakness. I am a high T. I'm a thinker, not a feeler, but I must learn to operate in the feeler realm. I must. And if I cannot operate there, then I am not fulfilling what God wants for me. Okay? So even though this is my preference, I must be able to think here. Okay, and even though it is my preference to have very clear structure, all right, that's not how life always works. I must be able to operate outside of it. And if not, that's where you talk about personality disorders, is when you cannot operate outside of your personality preference, okay? Any strength maximizes a weakness. As it said, he who is good with a hammer sees everything as a nail, all right, that we don't want that to be us. Number three, understanding my behavior doesn't justify it, okay? I t- touched on that earlier. It may explain it, but it doesn't justify it, all right? If I'm not, like I said, I'm not a a compassionate person by my nature, but it doesn't justify me being non-compassionate with people who need it, all right? You, if you're a P, you may not be, like the fact that you're a P explains why you struggle with structure and deadlines and long-term plans, but it doesn't excuse it or justify it. You have to learn how to operate outside of your preference. And then last No two people are the same. As I said earlier, even within the same personality type, there are degrees. It is a spectrum. There's other factors that are involved. I want to wrap up real quick right here. I want to give you two verses and a quote. Two verses and a quote. Verse number one, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. You are whatever you are, and it's not by accident. God designed you that way. If you're an I, don't say you wish you were an E. and If you're an E, don't say you wish you were an I. If you're an N or an S, for sure, the J's don't want to be the P's. We know that for sure, okay? (laughs) But no matter what you are, don't wish to be something other than what you are. God made you that way, and it was not in vain. He had a purpose. He's got a plan, as I said last week, as part of you being the masterpiece and his plan for your life. So don't reject or resist how God made you. Embrace it. Learn about it and learn how you can maximize your strengths and operate in the areas which are outside of your preference. Number two, Colossians 1.16, which I actually read this morning during the liturgy for those who are here. For by him, all things were created. That includes you that are in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible. All things were created through him and for him. So your personality type was created by him, through him and for him. So don't seek to change who you are. Seek to take who you are and use it for the glory of God and discover what God's plan and purpose for your life is. Because lastly, the quote that I got you last week, Augustine said it. How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? This personality stuff, I hope you all had fun with it. I hope nobody was offended by anything that I said. Again, I painted the extremes, but no one is all the way to those extremes. The goal was to learn more about myself. And the more I learn about myself, the more I can find the sweet spot that I was made to live in and function in. And that's my hope and my prayer that through this series, you can do that. Let's stand together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you knit each one of us by hand and designed us, Lord, in, in a way that you know is perfect for us. Help us to understand ourselves, to accept the differences that you made in all of us, and to embrace those differences, Lord, and live for your glory, no matter how it is that we were created. We ask this in the name of your Son, with the prayers of all of your saints. Here's as we pray, thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one in christ jesus our lord for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen